You're listening to Creatively Human with honest conversations about what matters to us and how it really feels to build an online business, put our work out into the world, make an impact in our own unique way, and importantly, to get well paid for it. I'm your host, Ruth Poundwhite, business mentor to quietly ambitious humans. Today's episode is all about going through burnout and deciding to do things radically differently. It's all about prioritizing your energy, prioritizing your body and doing what makes you feel good and ultimately that leading to good things for your business as well, even though it feels scary. I'm talking about this with Imogen Roy, who went through a big burnout herself and then decided to radically shake things up in what she calls her year of magical living. I absolutely love this topic and I hope you enjoy it too. Before we dig in, let me tell you a bit more about Imogen. She is a strategy coach who helps entrepreneurial people to be more prolific, productive and present in their life and business. She lives in Paris, France, because she wants to. After experiencing burnout whilst doing what she loved as a freelance marketing consultant, Imogen realised she'd have to take a much more proactive approach to protect her most valuable business asset, her own energy. Now she helps other entrepreneurs to play bigger in business with more ease, more freedom and less stress. As a fellow introvert, Imogen on a mission to help others develop their quiet power and show up for the change they wish to see in the world. You can find her at imogenroy.com or on Instagram at imogenroy. I know you're going to love this episode. Enjoy. The conversation that we're here to have today is all about your burnout and the decision that you made to do things differently in the year following. And I would love it if you could just talk a bit about what happened and that decision that you made. So I had a burnout in November 2018 and at the time I have to admit I didn't really know what was happening to me because I was nine months into my consulting business I was doing really well I'd had my first 10k month which apparently is meant to be success right and uh, I was on top of the world and all of a sudden I wasn't and there had been niggling physical symptoms for quite some time that I had just stubbornly ignored and then the sort of mental and emotional symptoms appeared like I went from believing that I was doing what I love to a state of just total apathy wanting to end every contract I had going and just say a big f off to all my clients and you know the things that normally really lit me up like you know coming up with a brand strategy or writing a brand style guide, signing a new client, those things just suddenly filled me with resentment and dread. And I thought, okay, something is really wrong. Something is really wrong. And it was a week when I was in London to do a conference, speaking on stage. And I'm not a nervous speaker, but I was shaking backstage, trembling, my whole body convulsing. And this lovely lady said to me, oh, dear, you're really nervous, aren't you? And I said, I'm not. There's something else happening. And that was a week that I had that. And then I was off to three countries to lead three different client workshops within six days. And after the conference, after I gave my speech, I went backstage and I got my laptop and I started Googling, what does burnout feel like? And I was reading articles and I thought, this is exactly what's happening. I've burned out. And now what do I do? So that was kind of my first experience. Um, I did get through that week. By the end of the week, I had decided to fire my biggest client, 
which was about 80% of my income. And then in the 14 months that followed, I completely changed the way I did things. And I hope that whatever I share here today will help other people who maybe have been teetering very close to the edge or maybe have actually burned out before, but they didn't know what was happening, or at least can people who haven't, but can at least recognize the warning signs before it's too late. Yeah. So what are those warning signs? Well, I think it manifests very differently for everyone. Yeah. Um, There's definitely physical, emotional and mental symptoms. So the body is so ingenious. The body will try and get our attention in a way that it believes we will pay attention. So for me, the, the first part of cause always old injuries. So old surgery scars, old ski injuries. Um, and if that doesn't work, then my body will try kind of new things like I'll lose my appetite or I'll develop terrible back pain or shaking, for example. And so I think everyone will have different physical symptoms depending on their unique style of um, body-mind connection (laughs) breakdown. Um, For me, the thing that I found very shocking was that my productivity just completely collapsed. I was very irritable all the time. I couldn't concentrate. I wasn't sleeping well and everything just sort of fell apart. And then finally, the thing that really shocked me was the total apathy. It was just, I don't care uh, about anything anymore. And I don't care what people think if I just stop, which was really unlike me. And that was for me what made me sit up and think, this is really wrong. Something's gone really wrong. And yeah, the thing that surprised me was that I didn't believe that you could burn out doing what you loved. I thought I thought burnout happened to people who worked in like horribly abusive environments or they're like really under the thumb, bad bosses, you know, a lot of emotional abuse and stress. And I didn't have that. But what I did have was that I had made the pivot from corporate to self-employment. And I hadn't at all taken into account all the extra responsibilities and all the extra emotional labor I was doing on behalf of my clients. You know, I'm someone who cares a lot, too much probably. You know, I really give everything I have. And I think if you're a sort of highly sensitive person like me or a very... A giving person it's that emotional labor that is really taxing and that's for me I know that that's what burned me out oh yeah I can relate to that so much and I mean I feel like because of that emotional labor we need like there's self-care but we need it's not like some fluffy thing it's like a real to to have to, to like hold that energy for people and to have them in your minds and and all these things that we do on the admin side of business you know it's not just the literal work that we sit down to do it is massive and i think about this a lot um cuz personally i felt like i related to the stuff you said about burnout in terms of the kind of emotional side of it and i know that those kind of symptoms you listed like um feeling really apathetic and you know, irritable, trouble sleeping, all of that stuff. They can be like symptoms of depression, right? But I guess that, I mean, you made the connection between the work that you were doing and you made certain changes and you and you realized that was like burnout really linked to your work. Um, and I have experienced that too. Um, but it was more doing work. I don't know. It wasn't exactly work I loved. So it's not the exact same experience to you, but it was more like I underpriced myself 
I was I was writing freelance writer and I underpriced myself and I was just writing and writing and writing so in some ways it was work I loved because I really like writing but I was I was churning it out so it became mm. it became like robotic and mm. like meaningless well to you me. can have too much of a good thing yeah yeah and you know and I think as well there's a very important moment in self-employment so at the beginning you have to take you have to say yes to everything right you need clients you need experience you need practice so say yes say yes say yes but then once you have a full practice you have to start saying no as soon as you're full you have to make that decision like okay I'm now full so what am I going to say no to what am I going to let go because this isn't actually great and I don't need to keep it anymore. But the problem is, is that many of us don't know that there is that moment. I have no idea. we don't know to pivot. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't think there was such a thing, like as being full. I just thought more work, more work, more money. I didn't even think of raising prices. (laughs) Oh, uh, absolutely. And I want to go back to what you said about depression, because two things. I have struggled with depression in the past and I've worked very hard and had a lot of help to overcome it. And I wonder whether, uh, uh, you know, for me, my experience, my body felt that those symptoms could get my attention. But I have heard from other people who've burned out that the symptoms are very, very similar. And it's not really surprising because the opposite of depression is play. It's not happiness or it's not even calmness. It's play. And when we don't have any play, we become depressed. And even though if we're doing work that we love, if it's not play, if we're not playing with life, if we're not making space to just be, then it's very understandable how we can fall into those patterns again. And that's something that I've worked, you know, I've tried to bring more of this sort of life force back into the whole way I run my business. You know, that if this understanding that if I don't experience pleasure, I can't actually show up at the most brilliant and fullest version of myself. It's actually a disservice to my clients to work too hard and to not and to give everything to them. You know, of course, logically you think I've got to give every I've got to give the best of myself to my clients. That's where my value lies. And we give everything until our cup is so empty. We can't even squeeze a drop out. Then there's the other way of thinking, which is if my cup is full, it's going to be overflowing and I have so much more to give and I keep filling up my cup and then I always have more to give to others. It doesn't run out. Then that's where you get the sort of abundance kind of thinking where you don't ever have resentment because you know you're getting enough, whether it's financially or energetically, you know that you're not going to run out. And that's what I really learned in this year of magical living I call it the experiment that I did yeah oh I absolutely agree so let's go back to you had this burnout and you had um fired your like best biggest client and Mm. how did you get out of it how did you get yourself out of this phase Mm. well I'll say there's two parts really the first part was the immediate part and I actually wrote an article um, which is on medium or on my website called how to overcome burnout when you can't stop working. And this was what I did in the first sort of two to three weeks because I couldn't just stop, you know, and some, you know, obviously the best solution is to just stop everything. But 
especially if you're self-employed or you're in the middle of a huge work trip or you're at the middle of the pinnacle of your career. I mean, this is how these things happen, right? Yeah, that's you can't such just an important drop point. everything yeah. and just stop. And and that's the advice that I couldn't find. It was, you know, tell your HR manager and take two weeks off work. Well, I was like, well, I can't do that. I have all these contracts to fulfill. I have all these strategy meetings. People are waiting for me to get briefed on things. Campaigns are going out. So what I did was just try to do what I could. And um, the biggest things were getting really ruthless about what is a real priority and what is not. And just giving myself permission to just drop some stuff. Like I didn't answer emails for about a week. I just didn't even go into my inbox. If people, if people really were trying to get hold of me, they had my number and they would call or, or WhatsApp or whatever. The other thing I did was I really started resting. So I would sleep. I would take. I would sleep a lot. You know, like I was on a work trip and there was an evening dinner with clients, and I said, "No, I'm not going." And I went to bed at 7 p.m. and I got up at 10 a.m. And I would just stop in the middle of the day and just rest my body, just lie down and close my eyes just for 15 minutes. Because all through this, I was trying to tell my body, I'm sorry, I'm listening. I promise I'm going to work hard to fix this. You can, I promise you, we're going to get out of this. Look, I'm taking care of you. Please, let's just get through these two weeks. And then I promise I will give you my full attention. And another thing which I found very, very cathartic was you know, because I live in Paris, I live in a busy city. And, you know, and I'd also been working a lot in London, I was going to Poland, and so on. And all these urban environments and traveling and concrete and noise and traffic. And I would just go to a park and just sit and just stare at a tree and just stare at leaves and stare at the grass and just think, okay, I'm just part of nature. And, you know, it's so calming to and I, there was a moment where I took off my shoes. This was no, November. Took off my shoes and walked around on the grass with my bare feet. And it just felt so healing. And I thought, okay, this is what I need more of in my life. And it was just little little things like that for the first couple of weeks just to tell myself and tell my body that I was going to do things differently. And then the bigger healing part, um, I gave myself an entire year because this wasn't the this wasn't my first rodeo to be quite honest. It was my first big burnout, but it wasn't the first time I'd been, you know, had to take time off work for stress or struggle with mental health issues and it was but it was the time I decided this is the last time. Like this is the last time. I I have to change so much here. I can't just put a band-aid on this and just go go back to how it was. So I decided to give myself a whole year to do things differently. And, you know, I, that started with me writing down, you know, looking at how I was doing things. You know, I get up and I work every day from 9am because that's what time people work, right? You know, if a client emails me at 7pm, I will reply within an hour. Um, if someone invites me to go and speak at a conference, I'll go because it's good for my career. And, you know, if someone asks of an extra project to take on because it's really urgent for them and I don't have time, I'll, I'll make time for them because it's, you know, it's important. And I just decided to totally flip stuff like that. So, you know, I thought, okay, I'm always available for clients. I always reply when, you know, switch to, I reply once or twice a day. And if they message me after a certain time, they don't hear from me until the next day. And rather than 
me trying to squeeze out a little bit of my leisure time around my clients, I decided to book in my fitness classes, my social, my lunches in my calendar first, and then put my work appointments around that. And so if someone wanted to have a call with me and I was going to a yoga class, I'd say, I'm sorry, I have another meeting then. And I did. It was a meeting with me. <laughs> and all these sort of experimental things I did, um, you know, really putting myself first. And I also raised my prices by 50%. And, you know, I was scared doing this. I really was. I thought that I might not earn money for a year. I, I might like go backwards. You know, I'd had this huge momentum in my first nine months of business and I did, it just crashed. You know, I had to start again from scratch and I thought, oh my goodness, I, I failed. I failed. I can't, I tried to do this whole like successful entrepreneurial, you know, consultant thing and I can't even do it. I can't, you know, what's wrong with me? Um, but there was this other part of me, this inner wisdom part who'd been, really like knocking on my door for a very, very long time, many, many years, who finally had a chance to speak. And she said, not this way. It's not that you can't be successful. It's just that you can't do it this way. There's another way. And so I listened to her and that was the intention that came to this year of magical living. And it really was magical because it wasn't easy. You know, I still took on some clients that weren't a good fit for me. Because I had all this angst about self-worth, you know, the fact that I wasn't as available, but I was more expensive, I did say yes to projects I shouldn't have said yes to because I felt I had something to prove. But also halfway through the year, my biggest um, win really was that I started to have a lot of people asking me about coaching them. Um, I've been running my newsletter for a year and a half or so now, and I started to have readers write to me and say, would you coach me? And I thought, oh, I'm not a coach. And I would, you know, go and research loads of coaches in their local area that might appeal to them and then send them a, a like, what about these three people? And luckily, a very persistent friend kept coming back and telling me, Imogen, you don't get it. I don't want to work with someone else. I want to work with you. And I don't care if you don't have a program design one for me you know I just I know you can do it and so I said yes and I realized that I'm actually a natural coach and so I pivoted my business and you know within a few months had a coaching offer sold out my practice got my first clients and suddenly realized that this really easy way of working for me that feels so second nature and feels so light um, I mean, even things like going and making videos on Instagram stories. I mean, I'm an introvert just like you are. I never imagined that's something that I would do. But because I was in this totally new mindset and I had this totally different energy and I was just showing up in my life in a different way because I wasn't stressed all the time and I wasn't tired all the time, just so many more doors opened up for me. And I really do believe that because my energy changed, I started to attract different kinds of people. And it was actually other people who could see better than I could the kind of work that I was supposed to be doing. That's amazing. Um, so many things have come up to come up for me as I've been listening to you talking about that. 
And that was one of them. The fact that, yeah, when your energy changes, the people who are, you are the right person for the people who are right for you. And it's only by like creating that space in your life and being yourself, which I guess it came out in the content you were writing to them. And because that's the thing, like a lot of what you've said of your journey through making, having this experiment, you know, trying to do things differently. I like the fact that you explained how it actually was a hard decision for you because that's, it seems like, oh, it's really easy just to like choose to do things differently and it all worked out. But it was a hard decision for you and you had to unlearn a lot of stuff that had been ingrained in you. And I feel like I can see parallels in my own journey. Like as you were, as you were speaking, I was thinking I can resonate. I resonate with this so much. Um, Firstly, in terms of being an introvert in business, right? And trying to push, push, push against my introverted nature for so many years. And it turns out, and like you were saying about going on Instagram stories and stuff, I never thought I would do that either. It turns out that it's quite easy to do it I mean, it's not easy. Maybe the first time you have to get used to it still, but it's easy to do it when it's when you're doing it right. You're not trying to be something else and you're not forcing it. And it's kind of the same, you know, I do things like going doing live videos and stuff. In the past, I, I was like, right, I'm going to go live every day at this time and it doesn't work for me. And when I just decide it's okay for me to just go live when I feel like it, it works really well. I mean, they're just kind of things that popped up as you were talking about it. The other thing, the other kind of parallel I... I had come up in my mind was after I had my son um, and it was so I'd already been running my business I'd sort of planned for a maternity leave and saved up money and stuff but um, I, I went through a really difficult time with my mental health after having him and it was really interesting because I really wanted to still push and get things done in my business and it taught me massively <laughs> that I needed to stop pushing so much um, I don't know where I'm going with that, but that's just, it kept coming to mind. Like, I feel like, yeah, you're talking about your burnout and stuff. And I'm thinking maybe these are other, it's like a more subtle version of burnout, different things like not being your true personality and just not feeling happy, feeling like there's something wrong and not knowing what that was for a long time. I really resonated with what you said about that. Mm. And and also, you know, whether it's struggling with mental health after having a child or burnout or even just struggling to recover after an accident and anything, any kind of unexpected life challenge. They all, it, when we're at our lowest, it really exposes who we truly are because we can't, we have no energy to hide anything. We have no energy to pretend anymore and you're reduced to your deepest foundations and I think while those moments are very difficult, they're very, very beautiful and they're very, very powerful because it is in those moments that you can finally look in the mirror and realize I've been trying to be someone I'm not and I've been fighting uphill all the way and it's not working and I can't do it anymore. And there's just the sense of incredible ease and lightness with which I now live my life. It's so far away from where I was you know my life on the outside looked really really good and it did feel good but it always felt like I had to work twice as hard just to keep my head above water that I you know I was even in corporate you know working with lots of like very ambitious people like me but they just seemed to have more energy than I did always and it always felt like I was totally running on empty the whole time but trying to keep it together because I didn't want to be seen as weak and I just brought all of that energy and that conditioning into my business. 
And I like what you said about it kind of being a beautiful thing. I mean, I know that if there's anyone listening who's going through a really hard time now, then obviously you don't have to see it as being a beautiful thing and it's your experience. But, and I wouldn't have, you know, if I heard myself say this while I was going through it, I would not have wanted to hear it, but I do see it as a good thing. What I went through, it was very difficult and horrible, but it ultimately, it was exactly like you said. I just had no energy to like fight or hide anything it just it was just like totally exposing and I had nothing to lose and it so in that way it was like the best thing that could have happened Mm. and um yeah nothing to lose yeah nothing to lose nothing to lose I think that's the thing isn't it that that's when you finally have the courage sometimes to make these experiments or try things different make a change because you're like well you know if it doesn't work out the other thing wasn't working out either and those are those, yeah, it's it's funny that we sometimes have to get to rock bottom to actually recognize what's right for us, but it just is the way it is, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I guess I say nothing to you to lose. I think that's an emotional state in a way because we do have stuff, like physical stuff to lose, like the income and stuff. Potentially, we could lose it. You know, we are sort of taking a risk, right? I was taking a risk in sort of, I decided to start a new business, basically, based on being myself and helping other people with their businesses and, you know, owning the parts of myself that I used to hide away from. Mm-hmm. And you decided to change the way that you were doing your business completely. Well, not yeah, pretty radically. And I mean, you brought up that you were really nervous about it. And personally, I have a story and I think this is so ingrained in our culture that you have to work hard to like make the money you want. And it's really complicated to talk about it because it's like, well, yes, you have to work to make money, but sometimes it becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Yeah, and I think it goes even beyond work. It's that if you want to be successful, you have to make sacrifices. Sacrifice. It's like, you can have this, but then you have to give up this. So if you want to have success, you've got to give up good relationships or health. If you want to be really visible, you've got to give up your mental health. If you want, you know, it's just we're always presented with this binary choice. And I just don't believe that it has to be like that. I really don't. Like, why why is there not enough to go around that you have to just pick one option, you know? And, you know, I look at people who, you know, I have an article on my blog all about this, you know, the definition of success. You know, I've taken the dictionary definition and challenged it because it says things like a person of high status you know and you think yeah but there are plenty of people who have high status in our culture who are clearly very unhappy and if if someone is successful but full of self-loathing how is that possibly success why is that somewhere you'd want to be you know and why can't someone be financially stable be financially abundant do the creative work they want to do have a nice life, you know, why is that, why are we told that that's impossible? I think it's just sometimes it's believing that you can just, you can be successful and have the things you want just by being yourself. I think that's a story that they've, they've tried to keep from us because we do live in this culture of homogenization, right? Where it's safer for everyone just to be the same, we're easier to control. It's much, you know, whereas this sense that like, Everyone is uniquely different and it's up to them to decide their life with their own agency is a kind of less compelling 
power grab. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm thinking back to your year of magical living. I guess it was a process of unlearning and of proving to yourself that it was possible. Mm. And it definitely a big part for me was the mind-body connection that for so long had been so fractured. Um, it was actually my chiropractor, who's a very, very wise man. And, you know, from our very earliest sessions, he said to me, you don't have a neck problem because I've actually had two um, slip disc surgeries in my 20s. So you don't have a neck problem. You don't have a back problem. You have a serious stress problem in that you cannot metabolize your stress. And so you're just carrying it around with you everywhere. And so together, we're going to teach you how to correct your own spine with your with your thoughts. And at, at the moment, I thought, oh, my goodness, this guy is complete lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to have to find a new chiropractor. But he was absolutely right. And together, that's exactly what we've done. We've corrected years of back issues I've had simply by me learning how to manage my stress with meditation, with, you know, sending energy to parts of my body, to hearing my body, to connecting with it holistically. And, and so for me, beyond unlearning sort of ways of working, it was also unlearning how I treated my body in the past. And suddenly realizing at the right age of 28 or whatever that I, my body is not just a vehicle to take my head around to meetings to look smart. We're all in this together. <laughs> and I just totally denied that. And again, I want to go back to pleasure because pleasure is experienced in the body. It's a way of feeling. It's a way of, you know, just this joy of being alive. And you can't just experience that mentally. What are some of the other ways in which you connect with your body I move a lot more so I have a daily practice where I, I do bits of yoga some pilates some strength conditioning I, I'm very strong now um, I meditate and I really sort of go into my body and kind of scan it and listen for what's trying to get my attention and you know analyzing things and just even when I'm walking around in the streets now I used to be very industrious I'd be listening to a business podcast or making a call whilst running an errand and now I really try and just relax a little bit you know feel the sensation of my feet walking on the pavement and feeling the wind on my face and you know smiling and just being I don't know I think the biggest thing for me has just been this rediscovery of the joy of life what a privilege it is and how it can be how the you know it's just a simple switch you know to get a bit out of your head and actually be in the present moment you know like I'm an introvert I'm a overthinker I've spent my entire life either ruminating on the past or visioning the future imagining you know the future and it's really hard for me it takes a huge amount of effort to actually exist in the present and to be here right now just in this moment and we might talk about this later but this is one of the big principles for me about time bending is something that completely changed the way I experienced time was changing the way I actually show up physically and the way I put my attention on the world has just expanded 
what you know a minute or an hour or a day used to feel like for me mm. yeah I love it I can relate so much you know to everything you said about overthinking and being your head so much and I know that you mentioned to me when we were like going back and forth about the kind of talking points for this episode you mentioned things like you know tracking your cycle and things like that and that is something that I because I feel like I first became aware that I wasn't really you know connecting with my body that much when I first mm. started running because I'd never been like a sporty person mm. I always considered mm. myself to be pretty lazy and sit down at the computer to do my work right and I started running you know several years ago and I finally I just had this sort of epiphany that my body is meant to be active <laughs> in whatever way that looks like but for me the running felt right and I mean I would literally get a high from running and I mean I just it's kind of ironic because at the moment I'm not running and I really want to and I'm planning to start but it's like if I can just get that feeling there's no drugs involved but it feels mm. like bloody amazing and yeah that was the kind of first time I became aware of it but I definitely feel like I've got a long way to go in terms of yeah this bodily connection and so the menstrual cycle tracking is something that I've been trying, but I've been trying not to do it too rigidly because for me that feels like just like another thing to add to my to-do list and it's a bit overwhelming. Just sort of like every week checking in and thinking, where am I at? And also like, how do I literally feel right now? How What's my energy like? And I've been just basically doing a really simple, that's a really simple like weekly check-in based on um, the work of Kate Northrup. Yeah, and, I, I was about to say, yeah, yeah. she just changed my life. Yeah, exactly. And just like you, I I, and, oh, I came off birth control for the first time in like 14 years in the summer. And so it's definitely deepened this sort yes, of body connection. Yeah. And actually one of the reasons I decided to do that was that I had this really strong calling from my body to stop taking this drug. And, you know, obviously there's some risks involved, um, but you know, I'm just working it out in different ways. And that has changed so much for me. I really feel like for the first time in my life, I know what it, it means to be a woman. Like literally it's like day and night. And just like you, the first couple of months I was very di diligent about tracking. And then I re realized I didn't need to. It, everything just seemed to be working pretty well. And now it's more like, you know, feeling that energy in the moment and thinking oh I'm at this stage in my cycle it might be a good idea for me to make some videos because I'm feeling really chatty and it feels really fun and cheeky and I have this you know this is where I am right now in my cycle and I can see myself in my screen grinning away and gesticulating and you know probably <laughs> two weeks from now I will be very different yeah yeah and and just you know being able to work with ease and just flow with the natural energy I'm experiencing rather than, as you said earlier, you know, pushing and fight and pushing through. And, oh, I can't stand it, Ruth. I can't stand it. Like I get clients all the time who say to me, I really struggle with motivation. My, my motivation is not 24 seven. And I say, it's not supposed to be 24 seven. It's not, it doesn't happen. We are humans. And I think our culture has done us such a disservice by making us believe that because we don't behave like machines, there's something wrong with us. You know, people get medicated for being inconsistent, you know, and it's like as if we're all supposed to be just flatlining all the time, just, you know, you know, 
I, I just I just can't I can't deal with it anymore and and so yeah I mean I encourage my clients if they're you know menstruating humans to track your cycle and see if you can you know flow with it you know plan your projects around it you know and it just again it just goes back to that sense of ease you know that's sometimes the the way the right way for us we knew it all along we just never believe that that was enough yeah yeah and because sometimes it literally is the smallest change that can make all the difference and even it's sometimes as simple as you know you're in that luteal phase or whatever and you're thinking oh my god I'm rubbish I need to quit my business and you're like hang on a minute it's fine it's just like it's the hormones it's fine yeah and also being able to channel that in a more positive way so thinking okay I've got this very analytical critical mind right now so what are some things that actually need editing or cutting out <laughs> and sort of rather than just eyes. seeing the negative <laughs> side it's you know how can I bring this energy to a task where it'll actually be useful is another and it's really quite magical if you think about it because men don't have this you know we have this if we use it correctly, this can really be a superpower. Absolutely. I wish they taught us this stuff at school, you know? Oh, I feel like if the I, conversation yeah. that's going on now around, you know, periods and everything, I just feel like things could have been so... Do I just think... I can't imagine thinking of it this way when I was at school. It was something that I was just wanted to hide, you know? I, ne I never wanted, like, anyone to know if I was on my period. I just... You don't talk about it that much. It's just so... Yeah, it would have made a huge difference. And knowing that you have these ebbs and flows of energy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I know when I read uh, Maisie Hill's Period Power, I was filled with rage. I was so, I felt I'd been robbed. And I've, there's not really anyone to blame. You know, most people didn't know this stuff, right? You know, or just what weren't, those people weren't listened to. But I am happy now that this stuff is out there and it is changing lives um thank you Maisie Hill for everything you do and Kate Northrup as well but yeah I just feel like half the population now can suddenly realize that not only is it okay to be different and to ebb and flow but it can actually be an incredible gift if we know how to use it and we know how to support ourselves and we know when to rest and when to ride the highs and, you know, it's like anything. It's just learning how to learn the language and play with it. So, yeah, absolutely. So um, in terms of like connecting more with your body, introducing more play to your life, what were the tangible results that you saw in your business? Hmm. Definitely taking more risks. So I found that as I strengthened my muscles and I strengthened my body, that physical strength gave me this emotional strength and this mental strength where I felt more confident going after bigger things and feeling a lot less worried about hearing a no. And of course, what happens, right, when you suddenly decide I'm going to, you know, this was a mindset switch for me that I found super useful. I actually got it from one of my clients. Um, who has a um, collect the nose kit where you can put a gold star every time you hear no because you made a big ask. And because, of course, lots of no's is the way to a yes. The more no's you get, inevitably, the more yeses you're getting because you're asking. And of so I started this 
practice of you know reframing it and going okay I'm gonna try and get three no's this week and inevitably the things I was asking for where I pretty much expected to hear no people started saying yes exactly and <laughs> you know and that's how you know I ended up on you know recording video with Seth Godin last year wow. and you know going to I'm doing a book proposal which I'm handing in at the end of March and you know all the sort of stuff where I was like oh I have nothing to lose I'm just gonna go for it and then people say yes and then suddenly you find yourself doing these things that you never believe were possible and I really think that came down to building my physical strengths and connecting with my body and, and trusting in myself, you know, feeling that I had this strong foundation that I could trust and I could rely on and that we're on the same team was really, really important for me. I love that so much. Yeah, there's a beautiful, beautiful quote from a Brené Brown book. Um, I can't remember which one now, but when I read it, this was about three months into my year of magical living and I'd just gone on an artist's date by myself to the seaside in Normandy to swim in the ocean. It was early March and absolutely freezing. And I've had the most beautiful day. And I was reading this book on the train back to Paris. And the quote was, strong back, soft front, wild heart. And I just, in that moment, I was so overcome with emotion. I just realized this is my mantra. This mm. is, represents everything I am trying to do right now to heal all of this you know it was no irony that I had had terrible back problems and two back surgeries and there I was trying to build a strong back and as well I'd been in therapy and I'd been you know trying to let go of some heavy emotional baggage I'd been carrying for many many years and I was trying to soften my front to drop my armor and finally I was trying to live with more of a wild heart you know, with less fear, taking bigger risks, playing more, you know, loving more. And that has really stayed my kind of raison d'etre, you know. Am I building a strong back, a soft front, and a wild heart? And the wild heart part for me was very interesting after my burnout and I was really in need of healing. I felt very cold towards, I took up ballet again. I took up ice skating again. I actually got an ice skating coach that I would see every week and we would go to the ice rink and I would humiliate myself <laughs> with all of these children spinning around and there was me kind of you know <laughs> doing my beginner thing and it was just so much fun it just felt so indulgent and fun to just be, you know be on the ice being silly trying to learn these really difficult moves with zero expectation of any result you know, I wasn't there to train for a competition. I wasn't there to prove anything. I was just there to dance. And I hadn't let myself enjoy my body in that way in such a long time. Like, Ruth, I was, I was raised as an athlete. And so from a very young age, I've always been really physical and really enjoyed being in my body. But it's always had this mindset of performance and expectation and pushing yourself to the limit and you know I saw my body as a tool to win and to get to a certain state and it's really taken me a long time to just love my body just for being a body and to just play you know and that's a big thing for me. I love that Brene Brown quote and I feel like I can totally see why 
all of this and it, and the bodily stuff has led to you trusting in yourself more. I can totally see that. And I feel like it's so, I think it's so crucial to trust ourselves, especially if we're going to, you know, if, if we're going to like do the big things that we want to do, you know, we're going to trust, have to trust ourselves and take those risks. And you started by taking the risk of deciding that you were going to do things differently for a year. And then that snowballed into helping you figure out, you know, and taking more risks and people saying no and things like that. And I just think, I think, yeah, I can't like overstate the importance I feel that trusting yourself has in building the business you want. Mm. And trust has to be built in mm -hmm. you first. Absolutely. Like this is, so my background is in brand strategy. And so you know, I was always telling my clients, you know, you've got to build like, know and trust yes. factor. Yeah. And uh, then I suddenly realized one day I'm telling people who don't even like, know and trust themselves. How on earth can they convince clients to believe in them if they don't believe in themselves? And I, that, you know, that was one of the reasons I decided to switch to coaching because I just saw this unmet need to actually helping people to build this foundation of self-awareness and this from which all of their entrepreneurial activities and projects can flourish. But if they don't have that basic self-trust, like so I know it's an overused word, but self-love and commitment to their own desires you're not going to get very far. And I think that's a piece that a lot of people forget or they leave out or they just don't know that ultimately being successful in business has to start with you, you know, believing in yourself. I mean, how would you, if someone came to you and they found it very hard to trust in themselves, what would be the first step for getting, like tuning into themselves and learning to cultivate that trust? Mm, that's such a good question. So every time I work with a client, we always start on self-awareness. And a lot of the time it's about focusing on them identifying their strengths. So some people do know already, but a lot of people don't. Um, and often we've been focusing on measuring ourselves against the wrong things, right? You know, focusing mostly on what we can't do as opposed to what we're really good at. Or a lot of people have these incredible gifts and strengths that they're not using because they don't believe that those are enough. And then the second part is the sort of daily practice. Um, I often prescribe creating a what I trust list, which is a list you can literally pull out or have on your phone for those moments of self-doubt where you've written down, whether it's past achievements or things that you know you can do really well, people you can rely on, processes you can rely on, you know, beliefs in yourself that you can pull them out and go, okay, uh, I am a badass. I got this. Like, what am I talking about? Like, I've done this so many times and it worked out great. Um, and I love using, you know, I'm always asking people to use, you know, these tools and frameworks and these structures and making, you know, my thing is making the big intangible foggy concepts and the big questions and actually bringing them down, breaking them down, structuring things to find the answers and you know, guiding people through frameworks to answer these big questions for themselves. And a lot of the time what happens is a client comes, sometimes they're wanting to start their own business or they've been in business for a while and it's not working as well as it used to. And they come in with one idea about what they want to achieve or the kind of business they want to create or the kind of services they think they should be offering. 
But after a few weeks of working together, that plan is often totally abandoned because there's been this wilder, bigger, more audacious, beautiful dream inside them that they haven't even let themselves believe in. And they suddenly realize that it's totally possible because they have all that within them already. They have those strengths. You know, they're building that trust. And they're going to show up with the energy of someone who is doing, who is in their zone of genius, who's doing what they're meant to do. And it's so, so attractive that they're just unstoppable. So really, my job is to just give people permission to say yes to themselves, ultimately, and to lean into that calling and not to be afraid of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I love what you said about when they show up in that energy. It's just, yeah, irresistible. And that's the thing, because a lot of this stuff sounds very woo and like, you know, but I, I can just feel it. I know that we can all feel that energy. And I always go back to the example of like a teacher who just loves their subject and they draw the students into that. And on the flip side, you have teachers who are just like, they don't seem to love what they're doing and that shows. Mm. And yeah. And I do think it's a very, very tangible thing. And like what you said about how when you start, you started this experiment and you put yourself out there and it showed and people came to you and they wanted to work with you. And I feel like this is so important when it comes to, when you feel like you are a bit different or you feel like you're an introvert, but you wish you were an extrovert, you know, if you just embrace that part of you, you're going to show up as the right person for the right people. And it's just, yeah. yeah. That's exactly it. I mean, let, let's not forget that it is a process too. I mean, if someone's listening to this and they think I sound very confident and sure of myself, it has really been a very long journey to get here. And I really feel that at the age of 29, I'm finally back at my nine-year-old self, um, back home. But it's, it took me 20 years to go out and come all the way home again. <laughs> and... You know, I have, I've always been very, because I am a very deep thinker and I'm very in tune with energy and, you know, very intuitive and empathic, I've always been very interested in what makes people different. So I've had this very heightened, keen interest in um, self-awareness and how different types of people interact with each other and what motivates people differently and, and so on. So this is a world that I've been in for, for quite some time. But I think there's another more practical element, which is, and it goes right back to what you said before about, you know, the mind and being able to drop into the body to actually stop just being ahead, is we can't show up fully as ourselves just from the head or just from the ego. It's a full body thing. And so for me, I feel that actually doing that work to reconnect with my body I've come home to myself because I've been reminded that I am a body who has a head <laughs> and it's been so much easier to, you know, to embody that sort of deeper inner wisdom. I mean, I feel like there's so much I want to dig into, but I feel like we're going to have to wrap things up. I was thinking about this question that you asked, because I feel like this is probably a good time to bring it up because and I'm just going to read it out. And what I'll do is I'll copy it and put it into the show notes because I feel like it's a really good thing for anyone who's listening to journal on and see what comes up. So the question that you um, added to the form when we were going back and forth about the 
topic for this episode was what experiment could you run to test how your business might work better for you let your imagination run wild what implausible actions what mad indulgences might yield surprisingly successful results for your life and success and I think I just will encourage everyone listening to try that based on everything we've talked about and just see what comes up and what we can I and I guess that in itself asking that question in itself is quite playful and I quite like mm. that. You're kind of playing around and like, what would happen if I tried this? What could happen? And how could it affect my business and my life? So yeah, I just wanted to bring that in. And I'm sorry to like cut you off in terms of talking, but I just, because we had so much on the list and I feel like I could talk to you about this all day. But yeah, I feel like we've talked a lot about the the body connection and that in itself is really, really powerful. And also, I want to add, if there's anyone listening who wants to continue this conversation with me, or if you are a body worker, please reach out to me because I am just at the beginning of this journey. And I would love to talk with people who've had either experiences with this or they work in this realm because there's so many synergies between entrepreneurship and body work. So don't hesitate to reach out if you feel called. Actually, I just remembered what the last thing I was going to ask you before I get to like the actual last question is, is there anything you just want to add, like that you feel like you haven't said and that you just wanted to bring up in terms of what you feel like is important for people to hear in terms of like changing Mm -hmm. the way you do things and honoring your body and just prioritizing your energy? Oh, well, there we go. That's my cue. Uh, That is exactly what I was thinking, actually, you know, going back to the year of magical living and the lessons I've learned and something I tell all my clients now is reminding them that you are the number one priority in your business. You are your business's most valuable client and you are the economic engine of your business, you and your body, because if your body breaks down or your mental health breaks down, that's everything gone. And you risk losing everything. So your health, physical, mental, emotional, is the foundation from which your business will grow and and scale and flourish. So I'd ask people to think about that and think about, are you putting yourself first enough in order to actually not just sustain your business, but grow your business? You know, we didn't choose this life, this freedom, to just get by and survive. We chose it to be able to live a life that wasn't possible for us when we were, you know, in corporate or in another kind of situation. So it seems crazy to me that we wouldn't, that we would still try and live under these external pressure or rules or expectations as entrepreneurs when we don't have to. So, yeah. That's so powerful. I feel like the key word that keeps coming up for me is that choice. We we choose it and we have to keep choosing it. Mm. Mm. And, you know, even though we're all on this deconditioning journey, you know, you, you spoke very eloquently about the unlearning of entrepreneurship. You know, it's so much about unlearning everything we've learned up until now. Um, but it doesn't, you know, the deconditioning is an, is an active state. It's that you have to put attention into it all the time because the the condition goes so deep you can't just get rid of it the algorithm has been running for so long you can't just override it so yeah but I'd say 
my mantra along with the beautiful Brené Brown one is when I take care of me my business takes care of, of itself I love that so powerful okay I'm just going to ask you a final question which is from my deck of random questions um how do you get in the way of your own success I feel like this might relate quite strongly to what we've been talking about I don't know though <laughs> no it definitely does I would say when I'm too serious when I take myself too seriously, when I isolate myself, when I try and take it all alone, and when I wait for someone else to make the thing or do the thing that I want to see in the world. That's been a huge shift for me. I've gone my whole life thinking, oh, I wish there'd be more of this sort of thing, or I wish people would be more like this, or I wish there'd be more companies who care about this, and I wish that... And then actually very recently, you know, six months ago, I suddenly realized that if I want something, then maybe it's up to me to make it happen. And I can't just go around blaming everyone else for not doing the work to bring things into the world that I would like to use and enjoy and share. Um, so yeah, I would say not, not answering the call. And then when I do answer the call, taking myself too seriously and isolating myself. Those are the three big ones for me oh thank you I feel like I probably could have spoken to you about all this stuff for double the time (laughs) (laughs) and it would have been a pleasure to do that I love it love it and Mm -hmm. it it's really like definitely I've been I can resonate so much with a lot of you what you said and I feel like I'm on my own journey with this a bit so yeah thank you thank you so much If you want to find out more about Imogen, just visit her website, imogenroy.com or find her on Instagram at imogenroy. She actually has a free video class on making an aligned goal plan for 2020, which I'll link to in the show notes. And you can subscribe to her newsletter at imogenroy.com forward slash success hyphen strategy. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Creatively Human. If you have a moment, I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review the podcast. It really does make a difference. And if you'd like to carry on the conversation or ask a question for a future Q&A episode, there are three ways to connect with me. On the Facebook group, on Instagram, at Ruth Poundwhite, or my personal favourite, my behind-the-scenes newsletter. Just go to ruthpoundwhite.com forward slash newsletter to subscribe. And keep doing what you're doing, because your work really does matter.